Wisco Sports Show. Here we go. Happy Tuesday, 580 AM, 96.7 FM, or streaming live at WKTYsports.com. However you're listening, wherever you're listening, hope you're having a fantastic Tuesday. I am your host, Grant Bills, and we got a lot of fun stuff to cover today. I, I'm not going to lie. Today I was putting together the show and I was getting a little concerned. I was like, man, we, we can break down the Packers' win. We can continue to talk about that fun comeback on Sunday. Brewers-Cubs, of course. Brewers get the win. We can talk about that, but I mean, what's unique? What's going on? that we haven't touched on already this week. And things just present themselves if you're just patient. So we got some updates. Not uh, not necessarily about Aaron Rodgers, but some other injury updates for the Packers. Some surprising stuff. We'll get to that. And I will update you as much as I know, as much as everyone knows, about Aaron Rodgers as well when the time comes. We got to start with some Brewers. I First, I want to talk about uh, about Monday Night Football last night. Let me tell you what my evening was like. I, I can't imagine any of you had this experience. So... I did my show yesterday. I took care of all the stuff at work, and then I and then I went home. And when I left the building here, the game had just started because there was that early start because of the doubleheader: uh, Giants or not Giants, Jets and uh, Lions were the early game, and then Raiders and Rams were the late game. So it started a little early. I left here around six thirty, six forty-five, and the game had just started. And the only thing that I had heard was Sam Darnold's first pass was a pick six. All right, I heard that, and I'm 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 I'm, I'm hustling home. You can tell my frustration with this whole situation. I'm I'm hustling home, and I get home, and I had a good amount of homework last night. I had a bunch of reading to do, and I had something to write, and I told my roommate, uh, who I feel like I talk about more and more on the show, very strong wrestlers. I said, if I try to come out of my room before I have this typed up and done, I want you to pick me up and throw me back in there. And he's like, I mean, I'll do it. And I said, yes, please. So I was in my room for about 45 minutes, an hour, and I came out to one of the biggest surprises of my life. And that was the New York Jets absolutely taking the Lions to task at Ford Field last night. I don't know if we have any Lions fans that listen to the program. I'm sorry for your loss last night. That was ugly in just about every single way. Matt Stafford looked bad. The running game is non-existent. That's nothing new. So Lions fans, I'm, I'm sure you're not you're not frustrated over that today. That's something that you're not used to ever. Matt Patricia looked a little, oh, it's just awkward and and. Tough to watch last night for the Lions. But Sam Darnold looked good. That was fun to watch. I think the Jets have got a couple players. Robbie Anderson, the wide receiver, I only knew him going into the night because he's on my fantasy team, but he he made some plays last night. Bilal Powell made some plays. Jamal Adams, they got some players. So that'll be a fun team to watch in the AFC. The late game, I didn't stay up for the whole thing, mostly because I didn't care, and I, I've been working early this week. Rams, Raiders. The Raiders were not buttoned up. I just It bothers me to watch a game on that field with... The dirt. Do you agree? <laughs> Maybe you guys agree. When there's an infield in the middle of the football field, it, I just feel like I'm, I don't feel like I'm watching quality football. I feel like I'm watching somebody play at a little league park. I don't know. I didn't like it. But Gruden and the Raiders did not appear buttoned up. They lost. Uh, the Rams are really good. I'm not, I'm not taking away anything from the, from the Rams, but not exactly an enticing game uh, after the first couple of minutes. 608-796-2558. If you want to chime in on the five-star telecom talk and text line, we're starting to build a little bit more interaction on the show here in our fourth week, and that's been fun. So thank you to all of you who have not only joined in on the phone, but on on the text line or on Twitter as well. You can find me at KeystrokerGrant, and you can tweet at us at WKTY as well. That's very easy, only four letters. So give me your thoughts. But what I wanted to start with today, other than just the odd night of Monday Night Football, felt like I was in the Twilight Zone watching the Jets-Lions game, was the Brewer game. They win the opener of this series against the Cubs 3-2. to two. 
Wade Miley didn't have his best stuff last night. Didn't matter. The bullpen has seemed to return to form. They are just as dominant now as they were in the beginning of the year, knock on wood, as they uh, probably have a lot of innings left to eat up the rest of the season as we're coming down the stretch. They beat John Lester. Wade Miley gets the, gets the win, regardless of having his best stuff or not, and Jeremy Jeffers gets the save. That wasn't the story last night. The story was Josh Hader. Two scoreless innings, six strikeouts. He, he struck out every batter he faced. And if you want a little more detail, just on how dominant Josh Hader was last night, here you go. 24 pitches, two innings, 24 pitches, 19 of those for strikes, and he struck out all six batters he faced. And I did some reading. That feat, striking out the only six batters he faced, has been done nine times in the last 110 years. Josh Hader... As much as we rag on Council for not using him enough, when he gets used, he is effective, and I'm okay with that. They only pitched him two innings, so maybe he'll be available later on in the series. I can't imagine he'll be available tonight. But later on in the series, Corey Knable got the day off yesterday, and the way he's been pitching, maybe they'll choose to utilize him tonight instead of Hader. We'll see what they do. Jeffers only pitched an inning. you got to figure he could be available tonight as well. So the rosters are out. That action's going to be here on WKTY later this evening. So we'll get you ready for that game. One thing I did want to talk about, and I would imagine some of you probably have the same opinion, some of the same thoughts, and that's, let's look back towards the trade deadline, and let's reconsider and rethink the trades that David Stearns made. Moustakis and Jonathan Scope, the two big ones. Now, he's supplemented the team, and I say supplement because he hasn't filled a drastic need through the waiver wire, but he's added a nice depth piece here and there. It is just that. It's supplemental players to just give the roster a little bit more boost, right? Scope and Moose, significant playing time. And in the starting lineup, when they were first added, everyone was confused. Remember, that was the first week that I was doing my show. And I remember replaying Ken Rosenthal, talking about how execs across the major leagues were confused at what Stearns was doing, about how there were other players out there to be added. Now, I'm still not pleased with the fact that he didn't address that the starting rotation needed help, whether or not there was a good option out there. But Moose and Scope... Panning out down the line here. They're making some big plays. Jonathan Scope especially hitting very, very well these last couple of weeks and really contributing. Almost hit another grand slam last night. It turned out just to be a sacrifice fly. Almost hit another grand slam. Moustakis scoring on that wild pitch, which proved to be the winning run. You know, as much as we complained about the Brewers early in the season, self-destructing on defense against the Cubs and just making dumb errors, how many runs have the Brewers gotten directly or indirectly because of wild pitches, past balls, things like that. It's been odd. It's been odd, and Wilson Contreras, an all-star catcher. Last night, they get the winning run because of wild pitch. Moustakis scoring as well. It's not like he's a he's a speedster by any stretch of the imagination. So that's kind of how things shook out for your Brewers last night as they take game one and move into only one game back in the division standings. So the Brewers, if they sweep this series have the opportunity to take the lead in the division. Can you imagine? And things do not get any easier for the Cubs as now they're only one of their few off days that was scheduled down the stretch here. On Thursday, looks like they're going to have to play a random game against the Nationals that nobody wants to play. Nationals or Cubs. They'd both way rather have the day off. So the Cubs got some things to worry about. Not not the smallest of which their bullpen hasn't looked great. Read an article on The Athletic. We can talk about that coming, uh, coming up more about not only how Brandon Morrow is injured and they they haven't got him back, but now Carl Edwards Jr., who was the pitcher on the mound last night, 
when that wild pitch was surrendered. Now, I believe Lester... I'm not exactly sure if Lester was on the mound when that beginning when that inning started and then Edwards came on and surrendered the wild pitch, which I guess effectively let that run in. But that run ends up on John Lester because he was the losing pitcher. But the arm on the mound when the Brewers took the lead was Edwards Jr. And he's had some struggle not only with giving up runs, but command against the Brewers the last two weeks. Walking in some runs, hitting batters, wild pitches, pass balls. It's been ugly for the Cubs. And their bullpen has been uh, nothing, hasn't been anything special. Let's just say that. Brewers last night getting some runs. Let's look at their bats here. Lorenzo Cain, by the way, I haven't mentioned him. Holy smokes. Four of five. Four hits last night. None of them in RBI. He did score a run. Yelich with a hit. Let's see, where did their RBIs come from? Jesus Aguilar. Oh, not with a strikeout. Uh, one run coming on that scope. Uh, fly ball. Arcia with an RBI. And then the third and winning run coming on the wild pitch from Mike Moustakis. Kind of an odd way to get the winning run. And the Cubs, have they've been doing that. We've seen that. In Brewers-Cubs games, both at Miller Park and at Wrigley. Walking guys, hitting batters, I think unintentionally sometimes, and really putting them themselves in tough spots. So that series continues tonight. The Brewers have a chance to pull even with the Cubs in the division standings if they get the win tonight. We'll talk the lineup and uh, probables for that game coming up later on in the show. When we come back, I want to continue to talk about scope and moose, a couple things that I still want to mention, and the Ryan Braun effect. I'm going to share with you some statistics that are pretty fascinating. And how Ryan Braun is putting together another pretty terrific season, quietly, especially here in the second half for the Milwaukee Brewers. Number eight, quietly doing his thing, and I got some numbers to share with you coming up next. I also would love to hear from you, whether you're still reeling from excitement on the Packer game, we'll get there, get some updates on the green and gold coming up, or as we wrap up Brewers Talk here before 530, 608-796-2558. That is the five-star telecom talk and text line. If you don't want to call, that's fine. Shoot me a text. Just as easy, I'll read it on air and we can discuss. Coming up next, Ryan Braun, Jonathan Scope, Moustakis. I want to talk about them all and continue to break down what has been a pretty impressive run here in the last couple of series for the Milwaukee Brewers. You're listening to the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. Wisco Sports Show rolls on. I am your host, Grant Bills. You're listening to WKTY. Hope you're having a fantastic Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in and being part of the program. Certainly appreciate it. If you really want to be part of the program, pitch in, have your voice heard, join in on the conversation. You can do so at 608-796-2558. That is the five-star telecom talk and text line. We're talking Brewers right now. That's going to change in a couple of minutes when we move on to Packers. i got a couple updates. Nothing, uh, Nothing incredibly shocking about Aaron Rodgers, but I will update you. Well, we know so far. That's not a whole lot, but it's better than nothing. And there's a couple other random injury and roster moves that were made today. You might be surprised. I don't know if anybody's going to be upset or disappointed or lose sleep, but you might be surprised. <laughs> That's all I'm going to promise. How does that sound? Last night, the Brewers continue their uh, their streak of successful baseball. I- I'm not going to call it a hot streak necessarily. They're just taking care of business and playing some really good ball right now, winning series after series. And last night, winning game one against the Chicago Cubs. Now, bear with me. It's one game against the Cubs, and they could lose the next two and be set back in the division race. I understand that. They could also win the next two and be in the lead in the division. All I'm trying to say is winning the first game is often a very good recipe for winning series, and that's what the Brewers have been able to do here these last couple of weeks, in part from their uh, from their contributions from Jonathan Scope, Moustakis, a couple other of their acquisitions as well. Gio Gonzalez gave them a good start. 
Curtis Granderson has given them some clutch at bats late in games. And Ryan Braun's been successful as well, although I want to talk about him in a minute. I was talking to my roommates and a couple other of my friends earlier today about the Brewers and about why they're playing better now than they were at the trade deadline. What has finally put them over the top? And my roommate Hayden started talking to me about uh, about you know adding players at the deadline. Keep in mind, he knows absolutely nothing about baseball. And we got on the conversation that it must be like a big pot of chili. And maybe maybe you can agree with me here. You make a pot of chili, you dump all the ingredients in, right? You throw it on the burner, and you, you bring it to a boil or a simmer, whatever the word is, right? It's it's not rolling, but you know, little bubbles here and there. It's hot. That chili's not going to be good. What for, for three or four hours? You got to let it cook down, right? The celery. It's going to be crunchy if you eat it right away. The celery's got to cook down. The beans and the meat and the sauce, it's all got to get to know each other in the pot, right? It's not great right away. you got to wait a little while. I think, and that might be the worst the worst analogy ever used on sports radio, and I might not be back in here to do the next show. <laughs> we'll wait to see what my boss says, but I think that's kind of what the Brewers have been doing with this lineup. Maybe Mike Moustakis was the celery being dumped into the chili. You can't eat it right away. It's crunchy. That won't be any good. Got to wait a little while and things slowly start to jive. And I think not only have these players warmed up to the new environment, they've started hitting the ball well and playing better, but Craig Council has figured out how to use them. And I don't think we can look past that. Craig Council got a couple players that, to be quite honest, weren't easy to fit in the lineup. Already got an everyday third baseman in Travis Shaw. Already got a shortstop you like in Arcia. Second base was a little bit of a question, but Scope's really not a second baseman by trade. So Craig Council... Had to do some experimenting, had to do some wondering and thinking about how he's slowly going to get the most out of all the players that he has, and that takes time. It's like a big pot of chili. It takes time. And if you're patient, you get, you get some pretty good stuff, right? Pretty tasty. And the same thing here. Like I said, that's incredibly corny and uh, and a very awful analogy, but that's what I'm sticking with today. Talking Brewers and Cubs about how the Brewers got the 3-2 to two win last night at Wrigley Field, in part to a sacrifice fly by Jonathan Scope. Moustakis scoring on that wild pitch from Contreras and Carl Edwards Jr. And that's how it shook out the other RBI coming from Orlando Arcia as we were talking about. I also wanted to talk about Ryan Braun today. Ryan Braun is such an easy guy to love and it's such an easy guy to hate. Maybe you guys will agree with me. There's days where I want Ryan's Braun, Ryan Braun's number hanging in the rafters or high at Miller Park with his number retired, immortalized and retired forever. Because there's times where I love Ryan Braun. And if you take away steroids, especially if you take away an injury there, here or there, he's a guy who could, at the end of his career, be boasting a Hall of Fame resume. I know people don't like to hear that, but if you just look at the numbers straight up, you don't think about the suspension, you don't think about anything else, his numbers are up there. They're on par with guys who were considered for being put in Cooperstown. And he's got some awesome moments as a brewer, some great walk-offs, especially late in seasons. He's been known for that. He likes the dramatic, and he has been playing really, really well, due in part to Craig Council being able to get him some time off. The additions of Lorenzo Cain, Christian Yelich, obviously had a surplus of outfielders, so he has had the opportunity to rest Ryan Braun this year and give him a day off here and there, use him as a pinch hitter maybe, and especially now in September when the rosters expand. You guys have Keon Broxton and uh, Domingo Santana is now up. They got a lot of options. Curtis Granderson can play out there. They have options. Eric Thames, although I don't think he ever should. They have the opportunity to get Ryan Braun some days off, and the numbers have shown. So check this out. I was doing some reading earlier today. Ryan Braun in the first half of the year, he had some nice moments, and we all remember those. But overall, didn't play very well. Hit 235. 
there were some uh, some injuries mixed in as well, which kind of hampered his ability to hit the ball. But 235, not too great. Up to 288 in the second half. And I and I want to go back to the first half. You all will remember a lot of hard hit balls for Ryan Braun being caught in his line drives, being hit right at outfielders. Some of those have started to fall. And now his average all the way up to 288. And I think in part, not only to the ability of Craig Council to be able to rest him here and there, give him some days off, or just use him as a pinch hitter, pull him, or, or and this has been great as well, Brewers have a 6-2 lead in the seventh inning. He can sit Ryan Braun down. He can sit Lorenzo Cain down and put in guys like Keon Broxton to fight through to the end of the game. You don't have to leave Braun out there the whole game if the, if the innings aren't as meaningful, and that's huge. 235 in the first half to 288 in the second half, and that could continue to go up if Ryan Braun keeps playing as well as he has been. And I hope he is in the lineup tonight. I, I have the lineup in front of me. We're going to go over it as we wrap up the show today and kind of usher in the Brewers post-game, or pre-game, excuse me, right after the conclusion of my show. So they take on the Cubs tonight at Wrigley after winning last night's game 3-2. to two. Wade Miley got the win. He's 4-2. and two. He pitched five innings, gave up two earned runs, only one strikeout, three walks, didn't have his best stuff. And I think that's a testament to the bullpen that came in and completely just went to work. Here's some stats on the Brewers pitching. Corbin Burns, one inning pitched, one hit, zero strikeouts, took care of business. Josh Hader then comes in, throws 24 pitches, 19 of them for strikes, two full innings, and six strikeouts. How do you like that, folks? That's, oh man. We hate Craig Council for resting him. But hey. When he pitches like that, it's hard to argue. And then Jeremy Jeffers gets the save in the ninth. Did make things dramatic with the walk and the stolen base, but ultimately took care of business against the Cubbies last night. Hefty chimes in on the five-star telecom talking text line. Speaking of Cubbies, he says, Tread lightly, sir. You're blaspheming, blaspheming on my man crush. Is that right, Hefty? Well, you know. Ryan, wait, who, who am I trashing on, Hefty. If I, if I was trashing on someone I didn't mean to, unless you meant Eric Thames, I guess I did kind of uh, kind of trash on him. Maybe Hefty's into the, the, the bigger, stronger man, the, the bodybuilding type, huh, Hefty? Like a big beard, like big muscles? Okay, I get that for sure. Not my type, but I definitely see it. I definitely see it, Hefty. Thanks for chiming in. 608-796-2558 on the five-star telecom talk and text line. Dan and Val say, why the heck are you putting celery and chili? You don't, you don't, you don't put celery in your chili, Dan? Where do you get your Where do you get your vegetables? He says. However, Sue Scope is the celery in your analogy. Well, somebody has to be the celery, and if you give them time, the celery is pretty good. Gives you not not crunch. I, I don't. Maybe I don't put celery in my chili. Maybe I'm just thinking of chili wrong. <laughs> Dan calling me on my stuff. Thanks, Dan and Val, for chiming in. Six zero eight seven nine six two five five eight. You make your chili the way you do, and I will make chili the way I do. How does that sound? That means pretty much everything in the fridge is going in. Uh, Brewers get the win 3-2. That series continues tonight. Remember, you can hear it all right here on WKTY. The pregame gets underway at 6.30, 6.35-ish. I don't have it in front of me. I'll make sure I get you the correct time, the exact time before we wrap up here on the Wisco Sports Show. And uh, and the first pitch at 7.10 tonight. Brewers game two. And if they win tonight, move into a tie ball game or tied division race with the Cubs. That's pretty exciting given the fact that we all thought after they failed to sweep the Cubs... Although I was positive. I was saying they took two or three, and I'm feeling good about their chances moving forward. We thought that possibly their division chances were over. Well, the Cubs have done them some favors, and they're right there in the race. When we come back, I want to give you some updates on the Packers, some injury news, not only with Aaron Rodgers, but with a couple other players as well. (laughs) 
before we go. Tom says, maybe you were thinking onions. He said, oh, okay. He puts, Tom puts celery in his chili. All right. I'm not the only one. This, <laughs> I'm glad my analogy has gotten people riled up one way or another when talking about stews and soups here on the Wisco Sports Show. But scope probably is the celery in the chili because the celery takes a while to soften up. You can't have crunchy celery in your chili. So let's, <laughs> unless you want to keep talking about food, 608-796-2558. When we come back, I want to give you some updates, like I said, about the Packers. You'll hear from Mike McCarthy just a little bit. I'm not going to overdo it with Mike McCarthy, but we'll get a good laugh at some of the things he had to say at his press conference earlier today and yesterday. And some news on the Badgers front with Quintez Cephas. Some legalese talk to wrap up the show as well. I'm going to do my best. I'm not going to lie. Not a lawyer. Know nothing about being a lawyer. But we'll break down some of that news as well as it broke earlier this afternoon. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. Stay with me. Packers coming up next. Wisco Sports Show rolls on. And before we get into Packer talk, apparently I have to address something. I'm sorry. I got all of you fired up because I put celery in my chili because the phone lines have been just about as busy as they have been this week. Jamie doesn't put celery in her chili. Oh, she has put celery in her chili, but uh, but her husband John just doesn't like hot celery. So I guess they're a cold celery household. Uncle John only likes his cold celery, according to, to Jamie. So thanks for chiming in, everyone. I'm glad we can come to a consensus about the vegetables we put in our chili. And as that time of year, I mean, it's important. That time of year is coming around where we're going to be making chili. So I'm glad we can we can all agree on something. I guess I'll stop putting it in my chili recipe. Speaking of chili recipe, actually, that's that's not a good... I don't know. Maybe Mike McCarthy likes chili. There you go. There's your segue. Uh, he spoke to the media yesterday, obviously fielding questions and uh, comments about Aaron Rodgers. And obviously, as you Packer fans probably understand and come to expect, McCarthy ran out of patience real quick. Here he is being asked about the status of 12 and what they know. Mike, is there any doubt that Aaron will play this week? Well, first off, as far as Aaron Rodgers... Um, we're still collecting all the information uh, on his specific uh, situation. And, you know, I know Aaron wants to play and, and is, is always driven to play, but that's all I have for right now. Mike, when will that collection process be concluded? We're working on it. That's all I have for right now. I mean, if, uh, if, if the next four questions are going to be the same, I, I mean, <laughs> just ditto the answer. I mean, really, that's, we are where we are. So uh, we're in meetings right now. Love it. So it was important to bring the team back in and, and get get on a normal Monday schedule. So we're in the process of uh, you know going through the corrections now with the offense, defense. We've had the special teams corrected already. Had our team meeting. Um, I briefly had a chance to speak with Aaron, and we're still getting all the information. Yeah, we're getting the information. And by the way, if all the questions are going to be all the same thing, we can just ditto the answer, wrap up the press conference even earlier. I, <laughs> there's part of me loves Mike McCarthy's press conferences, and there's part of me that also is like, you really can't. Obviously, you don't want to release injury info. That is that is one private thing. But a guy gets frustrated pretty easily for only having to do a couple press conferences a week. You look at a guy like Greg Council's got to do one every day. He's pretty chill with the media. And, and I mean, they pursued. They were relentless asking, you know, when would we have this information that you speak of, Mike McCarthy? What else can you tell us? When you say that, you have you do have some information. You have some, you have some information and no decision's <laughs> been made. We're still collecting all the the information. By the way, uh, we have some information. We're looking for other information. We don't have all of it. We have some. We're collecting information. We'll see what information we can find. And uh, when I have that information, I will pass that information along to you. The information. Yeah, basically just looking for information. So there's your Mike McCarthy fix of the day. I'm sure you didn't need it, but there's your update right from the horse's mouth. They're still gathering information. 
So naturally, the dialogue this week switches to, I think we assume Aaron Rodgers is going to play until we hear otherwise. And I think that's a natural assumption, given that he was playing football on Sunday night. So unless something happens this week where that condition is made much worse, you got to figure, because we haven't heard anything about an MRI in terms of a torn ligament or or damage that could put him out for an extended period of time, we are now on a week-to-week basis. And because we are on a week-to-week basis, we assume that because he played last week and nothing has transpired since then, uh, that he's going to play, right? That's how logic works. Yeah, I was in a logic class last semester. So if you could follow along with that, you also could pass logic 101 here at UW-Lacrosse. Don't know. We're gathering information. We don't have all the information, according to Mike McCarthy, but still working. And when there is information, I bet you will be the first one to know right here on the Wisco Sports Show. The information. Yeah, so that's basically the moral of the story. We don't know much about Aaron Rodgers, but we do know some things about other players, including Trevor Davis, who, believe it or not, was put on the injured reserve list today after not playing at all on Sunday. A little bit surprising, and it turns out it's the hamstring. And it's an injury that was lingering throughout training camp and throughout the preseason. Didn't hamper him from playing, which is odd enough. Remember, Trevor Davis wasn't even part of the injury report last week. The first mention we heard of it on was, uh, was it on Saturday or, or Sunday morning? He was a late scratch from that one. So unless he was, I don't know, playing Twister with some friends or, I don't know, doing gymnastics before the game on Sunday, I don't really understand how that happened. A little odd. A little odd. Or maybe they're just preemptively putting him on IR because they are going to have to make spots for Aaron Jones next week when he comes back off of suspension. I don't know. Also releasing Marwin Evans, bringing in a couple random cornerbacks off of the free agent market um, from Atlanta as they shift their roster around because of Keanu Neal's injury as well. So there's your there's your Packer update. Still searching for information. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to say that without laughing. But yeah, we... Uh, Still looking for information, according to Mike McCarthy. And the assumption, like I said, is that Aaron Rodgers is going to play. And I think Packers fans optimistically, because this is the this is the, the the thought process with fans who are worried about a player playing or not in the upcoming week, and that assumption becomes, well, the Packers are going to keep the cards close to the vest. Let's force Minnesota to prepare for two quarterbacks. And, and I, normally that makes sense. Okay, In basketball, it makes sense. In other sports, it makes sense. But Packers fans, do you really believe, like, oh yeah, so we're going to force the Vikings to prepare for Deshaun Kaiser. Can you imagine? Oh, they're going to be grueling in the film, in film sessions this week. Oh, they're going to be like, what are we, how are we going to game plan for this Deshaun Kaiser guy? Oh my God, heck Aaron Rodgers, this guy is going to prevent all sorts of challenges. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm not buying it. You game plan for Aaron Rodgers, you have effectively game planned for every quarterback ever to play the game and that ever will play the game because that's how good he is. What is Deshaun Kaiser going to bring to a game that Aaron Rodgers isn't? That's that's my question. Maybe Packers fans, you have a different theory about what's going on this week. If so, you can definitely share at 608-796-2558. Call or text. Either works. Most of the chatter today has been uh, about chili and the the ingredients to everyone's chili. So actually, send me your chili recipes while you're at it. Send me your chili recipe and your thoughts on the Packers injury situation as well. We can just kill all the birds with one stone uh, as we prepare for the Vikings this upcoming Sunday. A lot of things for the Packers to prepare for, a lot of things to be concerned about, and a lot of things are up in the air as well. A lot of information to take in, a lot of things we're going to learn this week, and a lot of things to prepare for, information about the Vikings roster as well as we get ready for that game coming up on Sunday. Yeah, so a lot of things to be learned. Uh, Good pass rush for the Vikings, obviously. It doesn't get much easier, although you don't have to necessarily deal with the Khalil Mack, although there are people out there. I don't know if I'm going to put myself in this category, probably Vikings fans especially, 
Who will say that Everson Griffin, if not 1A with Khalil Mack, is certainly 1B or right behind him? And I actually, actually, I, I do think that. Everson Griffin is a heck of a pass rusher, and they have some athletes on that defensive line. I don't think it's going to get any easier to run the ball or to protect Aaron Rodgers. I think the game plan is going to be much of the same if Aaron Rodgers does play on Sunday as it was in the second half against the Chicago Bears. Same thing that we saw back in 2014 in the playoffs when he had that calf injury. They're going to keep him in the pocket. Ball's going to come out quick. Receivers are going to shorten up their routes and run things that take less time to develop in order to get the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands. And if he can play, that's probably going to be the game plan against this Vikings team. The problem is that Vikings secondary is a whole heck of a lot better than the Bears secondary, and the Bears secondary is pretty darn good. Young promising corner and Kyle Fuller, Prince of Mukamura, is a heck of a guy to have as your second corner. Safeties for the Bears aren't nearly as good as what the Vikings can boast with Harrison Smith or heck Xavier Rhodes at corner. Uh, Mike Hughes looked pretty good in his debut week one, their first round draft pick, only bolstering the depth in that secondary for the Minnesota Vikings as well. So as we get ready for that game, uh, hopefully coming up later this week on Thursday, not actually, hopefully, we got it locked down and I'm not going to let him back out. Matt Scrady is going to make his Wisco Sports Show debut. Can you imagine that? Three hours in the morning, and then he's going to give even more of his time to this station, this show, and you, the fine listeners of this program, as we're going to sit down and uh, and have a fun, candy conversation about the upcoming matchup between my Green Bay Packers and your Green Bay Packers, some of you, and his Minnesota Vikings, and possibly some of your Vikings as well. I'm sure we have fans, uh, fans of the show all over the place. So uh, you're not going to want to miss that conversation. That's coming up on Thursday. Remember now, Wisco Sports Show will be off the air tomorrow to give way to Eye on the Eagles with Dave and Scrady and Mike Schmidt. That's live from the Eagles Nest. So either tune in tomorrow, check out the program. Eagles are up into the top 25 now as they took down Illinois Wesleyan at their place last weekend. They go into their matchup with Dickinson State coming up this Saturday, and there's no better way to get ready as a fan than hearing in, and not only hearing Dave and Scrady, or listening in, not hearing in, and uh, hearing words from Coach Schmidt, might bring a coordinator along, might bring some players as well. It's always a good time, and trust me, it's a great program. Definitely worth your time. Uh, I'm not going to say it's better or worse than this program. I doubt they're going to be talking about chili recipes tomorrow, so they have that going for them uh, as well. When we come back, a, a lot of things to cover, including get you ready for the Brewers tonight, that starting lineup. It's been released now for a couple hours. We'll run it down, get your thoughts on that, and an update on Quintez Cephas and his legal situation. That came out earlier today, and I'll update you as much as I can. I'm not a lawyer, but I'll do my best. So Wisco Sports Show returns for the final segment coming up in just a few minutes. Don't go anywhere, right here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I am your host, Brand Bills. Thanks for tuning in. Joining in, being a part of the program, trying to build something here. Heard from a couple listeners that they're really enjoying things. Spread the word. Get it out there. Every weekday, we're trying to build good local programming here on WKTY, and you are all part of that, and I'm loving it, staying local. Uh, about, got about 12, 13 minutes left on the show. I do want to pass the word along before uh, before I forget about the Fight the Flood concert here in Lacrosse coming up on Thursday. So many people um, losing property. Uh, some some people in the area lost it lost everything uh, due to the flooding and many people here in the community banding together for fight the flood on Thursday. It gets underway at 11 a.m. and it's going all night long at the Southside Fest grounds. Think of it as a mini Oktoberfest, a prep for the real thing, right? A lot of live music, including Bill Miller. Nice of him to come back. Tug, Heartbox, a couple Moon Tunes favorites will take the stage at the Fest grounds on Thursday, and uh, you you can check out. 
the concert schedule and the lineup and all the details at a lot of different places. I'm looking at it right now on Z93's website, Z933.com, where I also do work. So I, I got to pass uh, the word along there. You can check out that website. Donation link is on there. The Rotary Club doing a lot of good work, uh, not only for beer and wine sales, but food trucks and food stands are going to be there as well. A lot of opportunities to take in some music, eat some good food, and spend just a little bit of money to help out our friends and neighbors who were terribly affected by uh, by the flooding here in the area uh, over the last couple of weeks as well. So check out Fight the Flood at the Southside Fest Grounds on Thursday. A lot of people are really going to be assisted by that, and I want to give a thank you to everyone in charge of organizing that, including a lot of people right here at WKTY and Midwest Family Broadcasting as a whole. A lot of good people doing a lot of good things. I wanted to give a Quintez Cephas update as well before the show wraps up today. So some news breaking. Now, I don't know what this means in terms of football, okay? So I don't know if, well, here, I'll just tell you what we know, and then we can move on from there. So today, this is published at 419 in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. This is from Jeff Patrikas. Judge finds probable cause for UW wide receiver Quintez Cephas to stand trial on sexual assault charges. So he's not convicted of anything, but today the decision was made on whether this case was going to proceed to trial. Now, we've obviously heard from Cephas's side that they don't think this case has any merit. They think that they that the, the defense has video and has evidence showing that the accusations are bogus and that they can prove exactly that. But apparently, what they have for evidence and what they have for reasoning isn't good enough as the, dur- the journey, not the journey, the, uh, the DA and uh, the Dane County judges think they have enough there to send it to trial, denied the defense motion to dismiss the charge of second-degree assault of an intoxicated victim. Now, remember, there's two two sexual assault cases, or not cases, but uh, but charges. One of them, they wanted to get dismissed outright. That has been denied. Cephas's attorneys argued that video shows the two accusers were not impaired the morning of the April 22nd incident. And when I say morning, I'm not saying morning after. I'm saying night of. This is the attorney saying, we have video. You can see right here, they're walking into his apartment and they look just fine. They're not impaired at all. Their words, not mine. I haven't seen the video. I'm just passing this word along. And here's the quote um, from the judge. The question for me is given, the question for me today is given all the information that is in the complaint and given all the information that is on those videos. Karofsky said, the judge uh, on the case. If what was in those videos was in the complaint, would the state then not have probable cause in this complaint? And I think she she definitely has a good point there. I don't know if the... I haven't seen these videos, so it's not really up to me. Both charges are felonies. Maximum penalties for the first charge is up to 40 years in prison and fines, and the second, 10 years in prison and fines as well. Now, what I thought... Let's say he goes to, to trial today. Or not trial, technically. This is just a hearing. But let's say they dismiss the case right then and there today. This never goes to trial, and this is as, as far as it ever goes. I don't know if that means Cephas returns to football immediately. I, I don't know what any of this means in terms of Cephas returning to football. I think now because this is going to trial, I think football is definitely going on the back burner for a while, and I think it should, um, not only for for Quintez Cephas and those involved in the case, but for us as well. I don't I, I don't think it's in the best taste and in the best interest of the, the nature of the situation for us to necessarily be clamoring for Quintez Cephas to return to the football field. So I think because they did not throw the charges out immediately, it's going to be a while until we see Quintez Cephas on a football field, and uh, I can kind of brush my hands of that, and we can wait and see uh, as some of the drama now ending in that situation, and we'll wait to see what the judge decides. But as for the Badgers... 
they play their third and final non-conference game coming up uh, this Saturday. Why? I don't even know who it's against. Isn't that embarrassing? <laughs> I'm sure it'll ring a bell when I see it. Oh, BYU, of course. Yeah, they host BYU at Camp Randall uh, on Saturday. That game scheduled for 2.30, so a little bit later. That'll be nice as well. But AJ, or not AJ Taylor. Yeah, AJ Taylor last Saturday, speaking of receivers, looked phenomenal. He was great. A pile of receiving yards as Hunter and I lamented on Monday morning when we were filling in for David Scrady. They have some weapons. Minus Quintez Cephas and Davis, who's serving that suspension. Although I believe he is eligible to play this Saturday. Yep, so Danny Davis will be back. So they will have a one-two punch. Two receivers who both kind of broke out during the Orange Bowl last season. Aaron Crookshank showed a little bit of flash as well. And of course, against BYU, who's an unranked opponent at home, it shouldn't be the end of the world. They still have time to build some chemistry before going right to Iowa in about two and a half weeks. And that has been moved to a night game at Kinnick which has been the closest thing to a college football death sentence for ranked teams is a night game at Kinnick. So can't be looking past BYU, but I know the temptation will definitely be there, not only for the players and the coaches, but for us as well. Holy smokes. That's going to be an intimidating, a very intimidating night, and and I guarantee that I will be nervous about that game as well. That's going to do it for the majority of the show today. Thanks to all of you who tuned in, by the way, to share your chili recipes. I certainly appreciate it. I think the consensus is now that most people don't put chili in their celery. Hopefully this doesn't turn into a uh, into an ongoing conversation. Although, you know what? Let's just change it to a food show. I'm down for that as well. I'll look up some recipes tonight and uh, and know the truth. But thank you to everyone who chimed in on that as well. Let's run down the Brewers roster before I hop off for the night and I eventually turn it over here in just a couple of minutes to the Brewers radio network. Pre-game gets underway at 5.30, 6.30, excuse me, 6.30, First pitch is at 7.05 for game number two of the series after the Brewers took the first game of the set last night, 3-2, courtesy of a wild pitch from Carl Edwards Jr. Roster looking pretty similar tonight. Let's run it down. Hitting leadoff in center field, Lorenzo Cain coming off his four-hit night last night. Christian Yelich hits in the two-hole. He is in right. Jesus Aguilar at first base. He hits third. While the Brewers have put together a lot of series wins and had a lot of success over the last couple of weeks, one, two, three in the roster and the lineup card every night has been Kane Yelich Aguilar. That's one uh, constant that we've had. Ryan Braun hits fourth. He is in left tonight, as I would expect in Wrigley Field. Jonathan Scope gets the start at second base as he's swinging a pretty darn hot bat as well right now. Travis Shaw at third, which means Mustak is not in the starting lineup. Scope at second, Shaw at third base. Eric Kratz doing the catching. Orlando Arcia at shortstop, hitting eighth, and Chassin taking the mound and pitching tonight for the Brewers. They will match up against Quintana, who has had the Brewers' number with the exception of one start. And I guarantee if Quintana pitches well, regardless of anything else that happens this season, Quintana being acquired last season has been a a, a brilliant move for the Cubs because the Brewers just simply haven't been able to beat him. So it goes Kane, Yelich, Aguilar, Braun, Scope, Shaw, Kratz, Arcia, and Chassin. There is your starting nine for your Milwaukee Brewers. Like I said, that gets underway tonight here at WK2I. First pitch at 7.05, pregame at 6.30. And you can continue to follow the Brewers and all of their action as they chase the postseason and now the division as that is back in the picture in charge of their own destiny, in control of their own destiny. Now, if they beat the Cubs two more games, that puts them in the lead. And, I, and they can play out the rest of the season as they do, but they don't have to bank on the Cubs losing. I know it's early to make a declaration like that. They are in charge of their own destiny, but 
everything in front of them right now, if they take care of business against the Cubs, they could play themselves into a division championship, their first one since 2011. So follow the Brewers along here, not only on the Wisco Sports Show and on mornings with Dave and Scrady, Bill Michaels in the afternoon, but you can always listen to the Brewers, of course, here on WKTY. And for those of you who don't know, a little secret of the trade, and I'm going to let you in on it right now. You, of course, I'm sure want to watch the Brewer game if you have that option. If you're at home, and I understand you want to see what's going on. But here at WKTY, we do this cool little thing. We delay the Brewer's broadcast a couple of seconds so it matches up with what's on TV. So if you don't like Brian Anderson and The Rock, I mean, nothing against them. I I love both of those broadcasters. But I know some of you just can't get enough Bob Euchre. You can mute the TV. You can turn up the radio. And I promise they'll be lined up perfectly. Little, Little secret there. I'll let you in on it. So Brewers get under or Brewers get underway. Yes, it's 7.05 tonight. Tomorrow, remember, no Wisco Sports Show. Tomorrow we will give way to Eye on the Eagles with Coach Mike Schmidt, Dave Scrady, and I'm sure he'll bring a couple players, maybe a coordinator, and they're going to talk about, obviously, that massive win that came uh, against Illinois Wesleyan last week in Illinois. Can you imagine going to Illinois and losing? That would just be a pretty a pretty bummy time. But that propelled them into the top 25. They are ranked 23rd currently nationally, and they haven't even started their uh, their conference schedule yet. So keep that in mind. You can hear that show tomorrow. I will be back on Thursday. We're going to talk with Matthew P. Scrady about the Packers-Vikings matchup coming up next week, and that's going to be pretty fun as well. I had a t- and somebody ch- chiming in on the five-star telecom talking text line saying, is Scrady going to take a nap? I don't know. I don't know what Scrady does in his free time. I would have to take a nap. I don't know about Scrady. He's he's a man of a different breed, that's for sure. Thanks for tuning in tonight. I'm your host, Grant Bills. We're into week four now of the program. I think we're starting to get into a groove. Not only me, but some of the listeners who like being a part of the program as well. Remember, you can always follow me on Twitter, at KeystrokerGrant, because I do do extra things other than the show, some podcasting action, some Facebook Live action, especially now during Packer and Badger season. So that's fun, and you can find a lot of my individual things that you might not hear here on the program on my Twitter page, at KeystrokerGrant. You should also like WKTY on Facebook, WKTY Sports. Simple. Give the page a like, and on Twitter, at WKTY. Is that enough? There's your checklist for the night. So get the, get all that done before the Brewer game, and then you can settle in to watch. Don't forget about Fight the Flood on Thursday as well. All the info is posted up at WKTYsports.com, Z933.com. All the stations in the building are going to be there with bells on, so make sure you get the info for Thursday. Make a plan and help out some of your friends and neighbors as well. No Wisco Sports Show tomorrow. I will be back on Thursday right here. I'll talk to you then.